This is 610 News, keeping you inside the loop. Hello, my name is Bernie Sanders. And when I want to know about my brothers and sisters down south in the wonderful city of... Houston, Texas. I always listen to... 610 News. Good morning. This is 610 News. I'm Brenda Valdivia, and I'm joined today with Jarrell Douglas, Abhinav Kumar, Evan Neal, and Daniel Cohen. And today we're discussing what's going on with the HISD school board elections. On topic today, we're discussing District 6 and District 9 with Jarrell holding a debate that happened a couple of days ago from this recording for District 9. It turned into a real powder keg. It really did, Brenda. The the gloves came off at the four times candidate debate between incumbent Wanda Adams and challengers Gary Wayne Monroe and Dr. Carla Brown. Before this event even started, many like myself looked at this as Adams' race to lose. Though both Monroe and Brown have momentum on their side, Adams, let's remember, is a 10-year incumb- incumbent. She was on the city council before going to the school board, and she has that name recognition that matters a lot in a race like this. It's always an uphill battle when you're going to challenge a popular incumbent for any kind of a seat, but this time she actually has two formidable opponents who could force a rather sleep-inducing uh, December runoff with no mayor or city council races to push turnout. Yeah, tur- voter turnout is looking very low this year. Since there is no major figures running, we're looking to expect, what, a uh, 13% turnout? Dismal. I'll just leave it at that. Absolutely dismal. dismal. Snooze fest. So if you're wondering why you should care about this election, the school board, of course, controls the money that your property taxes are paying for. And the, I don't know, the future of your children. So it may (laughs) may behoove you to pay attention to who's on this board and what that money is going towards and how it's being spent and uh, what is being invested in. So to discuss this, I have Darrell, of course, and Daniel Cohen. So I don't know about you, uh, Brenda and Daniel, but in my opinion, the candidates were in true form and as expected. Uh, at this debate monroe as usual he was fiery and charismatic adams was more reserved and calculated brown ironically sat between the two literally and she sort of fell between them uh, on that scale to me monroe got high marks with those in attendance he skipped details on a lot of the answers he didn't really go into really anything brown sort of once again between the two she had a little bit of Monroe's charisma. I think I guess that's what we call it. Do we call that charisma? Here's what I couldn't figure out. If you're an embattled incumbent in a race at a year when an anti-establishment wave is sweeping not just Houston but the entire nation, and you've got an insurgent running against you, and you have another candidate that's going to draw votes from you and is already picking up endorsements that you were supposed to get, how are you going to show up ten minutes late? I mean, I would take the day off of work. I would get an Uber at noon. I would walk there from, you know, in the morning and just stay there all day and wait in my car. And I would do anything to be there on time. Yeah, quite a few people were not happy with her excuse of um, I have to work. Some people felt personally insulted by that because, of course, everybody has to work and everybody has a schedule to figure out as well. She went further to say, if you want full time board members, then convince your legislature to do that. I was like, Wow. To pay them. Yeah. yeah. I was blown aback. She literally said that to the crowd. Yeah. Um, Playing devil's advocate, should they? 
It's no. been known. No. Well, well, hold on before we get into before you make a full decision. It has been shown in studies that hiring employees versus volunteers will reduce um, employee theft. It also reduces uh, time mismanagement and uh, program mismanagement because people are invested in keeping their jobs. So is that something to consider in the future in order to reduce, let's be honest, uh, quite a few scandals that have come out of HISD? They're getting their money on the side with the scandals. And I mean, it's very hard to prove because it's like all private information. But most elected officials, I would be safe uh, to guess, are getting some kind of consulting gigs or some kind of something. And she served three full terms on city council. I would be surprised if she, I mean, she's making money. She's she's not going hungry. You know the but but to your point, Brenda. Like, I'll, and I don't know enough about the HISD trustee position, sort of, and, and that spe- you know the specific cash flow, let's say, um, that might run with that. But like the state ledge, you know, at seventy four hundred dollars a year. I mean, part of me just wants to make a documentary on what, or excuse me, yeah, seventy four hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to make a documentary on what your life would be like if you lived on seventy four hundred dollars a year. And you look at the ledge, and it's people sitting on piles of cash because they're the only people that can run and that could afford to take off six months every other year. A lot of people can't do that, and that's why you end up with people who can't really relate a lot of times to the people that uh, that they represent, but. You know, so again, that that does come down. Should they be paid? That way, it would open access to um, people who normally wouldn't be able to afford to hold that position in the first place. I think at the end of the day, for something like school board, if you want to attend, like if you're able to attend meetings, you could you could run and be on the dais, right? Like I think it, we shouldn't start putting you know, salaries behind something that's supposed to hold fiduciary, you know, responsibility and something that people are supposed to run because they care about kids. What's interesting, out of the nine members of the school board and Sung, interestingly enough, is the only one who's ever, like, actually taught. So the rest of them don't have education backgrounds. That's another very interesting thing. And of the three people that are running for District 9, Carla Brown is the only one who actually has educator experience you have her who i call the educator i kind of branded wanda adams as the politician and gary monroe is obviously the activist in this race so yeah so um of course carla brown um didn't really hold her ground so much she seemed to keep a steady line throughout but uh, multiple people were shocked when she said that teachers earned enough money and and if they didn't want to uh, and if they wanted to earn additional income, they should get other jobs. Were you surprised by that? I was very surprised. And actually, I had sort of a flow to all the questions. I sort of hit them with a with a with a nail biter and kind of came back with like a volley. Where you know, like if this was volleyball, you just come up to the net. I'm just going to like tap it to you. You just knock it over. And she dropped the ball. Like I, I almost wanted to say, did you not hear the question? Cause I'm coming after you this next round. So, you know, no, I, li- I asked her, I, the, the question was how much are teachers paid? Right. Cause I, w- I wanted to know if they knew. And then that the add on was, are they paid enough? An easy answer. You have teachers, grandparents and parents in the audience. And she said, no, they, they do fine. The only like correct answer to that question is teachers hold together our society. They deserve the status of CEOs. I mean, yeah, she completely whiffed on that, and it was it was it was interesting because you're looking at three really flawed candidates. So um, I think that 
that's probably what people, you know, you mentioned this before, uh, Darrell, like some cross section of the district is senior citizens who aren't really looking at like music videos and the Chronicle and like they, they read the old fashioned paper that they, they kind of can unfold. Uh, but it does seem like nationally, like if we want like an echo, right, the presidential ground game, you know, the story behind that was that the, 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 the National Republican Party didn't have a ground game in order in all these swing states. And then in the end, they were able to bring voters out anyway. Do you see Gary Monroe hacking the system? Absolutely. I could see, especially in a, in a time like this, put it this way, if. If this were a year when Mayor Turner was running for his second term and you would also have open seats in B, D and K, D and K are both, uh, you know, districts where, where, where this district, where these constituents are going to be voting, there would be open city council races in both of those. There would be a guaranteed swell of turnout in both of those elections. So the, so those senior citizens that I was talking about, they would be turning out to vote. Those are Wanda's bag. She has those in the bag. Uh, kind of like when Donald Trump said he could stand in the middle of Fifth uh, Avenue and shoot somebody and still get elected. Those people, for the most part, are going to vote for their incumbent. They're going to vote for somebody like Wanda Adams, who's been there for a very long time. Those people have, they're not being pushed out to the polls this time. So that allows the scale to kind of be uh, maneuvered a little more. I think very similar to if you looked at what happened with the presidential election, you have two unpopular candidates that are running. It makes it very feasible that someone like Gary Monroe or even Carla, who, in my opinion, Carla is taking votes and uh, endorsements away from Wanda. She her her base is you know the who should be Wanda Adams' base, and the fact that you have both city council members from that district, the fact that you have the state legislator from that district supporting an opponent, and you're an incumbent, and then you have someone like Gary Monroe who drops a music video. I mean. She should be shaken in her boots right now because this is probably going to go into a runoff. And with a runoff in December without anything at the top, it's going to be 17 people voting, right? <laughs> you, it's at that point that she really has to either raise a lot of money or hope that, you know, something happens. It's not looking too good for Adams. Well, hopefully Monroe shows up for the first time in 10 years and votes for himself. So, <laughs> What did you think about that? Uh, that shocked me. To have somebody who is a political activist and raising up hell and demanding accountability and then finding out he hasn't voted in 10 years? Not a good sign. Not a good sign. Um, so I hope he's I hope he's aware what the work actually is because unfortunately most board meetings isn't throwing cash at people's faces <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so we'll see what happens there so uh what's going on with uh district six what's what's happening there uh so there are three candidates in district six uh there is holly villaseca who is currently the incumbent she was appointed by the hisd board of trustees by unanimous unanimous vote last year uh when the former board member resigned uh there's robert london and then there is um a third candidate named daniel albert um, who, who I've not heard as much about when it comes to uh, live forms, but something interesting did happen uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, before the um, the Houston Stonewall Young Democrats endorsement meeting. And this is uh, some some juicy gossip uh, that we got passed through the grapevine regarding okay. this race. What's the hot gas? Well, um, 
there is someone who is in who lives in District Six, but is often involved in other campaigns and is very a very active member. You know, an, uh, an active person, grassroots person, um, who has been uh, calling out Robert because there's some, been some concern that he's trying to play like he is a Democrat when he is in fact a Republican, uh, or he at least maybe is of of questionable partisanship in one way or another, and so. Uh, he's been called out, you know, on, on Facebook and other places for possibly trying to play both sides of the fence. Well, before the Houston Stonewall Young Democrats endorsement meeting for HISD trustee, uh, Robert pulled someone aside uh, who also is running a school bird race um, and informed her that she needed to get a handle on this member of the grassroots because so uh, who, who, who pulled whom aside? Again? So Ro- Robert pulled aside another candidate who this grassroots. Howie? That, uh, what's that? So he pulled Holly aside. He pulled aside a candidate for a completely different HISD okay. race, oh, right? And okay. and told that candidate that they needed to get a handle on this volunteer on their campaign, basically treating it like treating it like this was a staff issue, and and you know the 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 candidate told him, well, you know, I don't have control over people who are unpaid volunteers on my campaign, particularly when it comes to the HISD trustee race. And which candidate they support and what they think of you because they have a right to say whatever they think of you and no I'm not going to drop the hammer on them that doesn't make any sense it's not like they're on my payroll so once the meeting started and it came to actual endorsement discussion uh, there were a few people who said that they were recommending Holly actually as members of the Stonewall Democrats uh, because they Robert's record of was questionable and because he's been promoting endorsements by former Republican trustees and Republican precinct chairs um, and one of London's surrogates came and denied everything as being untrue, but plenty of people had seen the evidence. There were like multiple witnesses who have seen this and had discussed this and seen it all over the place. So after everything was done, uh, this member of the grassroots pulled Robert aside and said, hey, please don't relate any of my actions to any campaigns. I'm not a staffer on a campaign like you're misreading this entire thing. Uh, and it turned into a big fight. <laughs> had a big discussion and Robert demanded a lot of things and eventually um, it got what, really confrontational. Besides the demand to reprimand this uh, volunteer, do you know any of the other demands that came out of this or was it a guy who's just falling apart? Well, you know, it's he's been le- he's been basically bragging about Republican endorsements and now he's trying to play to Democrats. And so that's really that that's the big that's the big sort of uh, charge that, pe- that the, de- the Democratic side of the aisle has made toward him. And that's what most, some members of the grassroots have made toward well, him. If, if it was like a national election, that might be a useful skill, but it's HISD trustee. So maybe it shouldn't be so political, if you will. I mean, it's yeah. well, well, there's and there's a good argument for that. But I think I think what it comes down to and the reason that members of the grassroots are ticked off is because he presented himself. Uh, on one side of the race. And the other thing is that it says something about your philosophy, you know, which endorsements you brag about, right? Um, you know, th- this is a question we ask politicians all the time. You know, do you disavow X? Because X says that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, do you disavow this person who's endorsed you? Or do you welcome yeah. their endorsement? Known avower and puppy killer. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to agree with Wait, this which guy? Which candidate is that? The puppy killer? Uh, I think that's in... HISD uh, District 12. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it it sounds like this guy is just jumping back and forth. Is is he looking for political gain? I mean, that seems like 
so much work to do f- to get a position that at most you know you'll get uh consulting and uh consulting gigs but other than that like what is he hoping to gain out of all of this it's power i mean believe it or not when you what? pay your, when you pay your <laughs> tax bill you pay your tax bill there's you know the school board can actually raise property taxes so you know and their budget rivals the size of the city's budget so it is a massive organization and though you don't have executive power you do have this sort of overarching policy arm that you know moves here and there okay so a lot of is at stake uh, for HISD, uh, what looks like a sleepy, boring race on the outside is full of drama on the inside. So I think we are going to keep in, we're going to definitely keep HISD in mind as we make more episodes in the future. Um, in fact, we're going to do a um, history of the HISD school board and the highs and lows and how we got to this point, how we got to a point where an organization nobody seems to care about if you're not a parent um controls huge aspects of our lives very interesting fact several of the sitting hsd board members just stepped down so for the first time you have six races that are up at the same time are they related to all them stepping down because if i was an outsider and i saw a bunch of people leaving i would have thought there was a fire in the building you had your lunsford you had more of the conservative arm of the HSD board that just kind of said, fuck it, right? Like, all of a sudden, you have Jalunda Jones that's coming, and then you have, like, they just gave up. They were just tired of it. They were just done. And then, you know, Laura Ress's soul, you know, uh, Manny Rodriguez, he's out of the way. So you have six of nine seats that are up at the same time. This has never happened before. Well, and it's worth mentioning briefly that there's a 21-year-old who's running in District 4. So you wind up, you may wind up with, like, a very eclectic, uh, trustee board at the end, depending on how these I races. I want to see that sitcom. That looks like fun. And, and what's crazy? The TEA commissioner actually sent a letter to Houston ISD, Dallas ISD, and a couple of other independent school districts, and basically said, "Look, don't need governance training." Like, and demanded that they come to Austin for a two-day training because, I mean, they have this experience. And then think about it like this: City Council has staffers. Like, say what you want about President. 45 he has people around him who you would hope sort of guide his hand in governing right with city with city council you have that so your your kuboshes and your when what's his name um um i see him he it was a fluke that he won andrew burke you know, people like that. I'm sure he, he just loves kinda... that description. The fluke one. <laughs> he wanted a fluke. He just ran over and over and over. And then shit, like one time he actually won. Um, he, literally, he did. Ah, democracy. Right. And so, you know, you, you look at people like that and you're like, ah, he's one of like 15, you know, whatever. Right. It's at large. But for the school board, they don't have staffers. It's just them. Right. And you get five votes and you can change policy. That's crazy. But they're going to Austin to learn how to govern. Exactly. It's it's hilarious. (laughs) Every time, yeah, the more I find out, the more I know about this, the more anxious I get about this. It's scary. Yeah. Okay, well, thanks, Darrell and uh, Daniel. Thank you so much for talking about um, the HISD school board. Uh, We're going to move into something much more fun and relaxing and just chill. And we're going to talk about how the U.S. House Committee has approved to put $10 billion towards a border wall. 
We don't have money for birth control, but apparently putting up walls around our country is good enough. It's like a diaphragm right in the south of Texas. They feel so protected. <laughs> oh So, I got um, lightheaded. Yeah. I got lightheaded. This is a new show. So the bill is out of committee, and it looks like it's going towards a vote. Um, this could be a state story with the uh, if Sheila Jackson Lee. Oh, oh Sheila. If, oh, oh, Sheila. Let me love you. Okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. A uh, funny story. Just side story. I went to Seattle, and I was on a just on a bus going from one side of downtown to the other. And I just saw this woman just sigh and just say, Sheila Jackson Lee. What? <laughs> what was she talking about? I don't know. That's the thing. Like, it's like I looked phrase, at her. Like... And I looked at her and I was about to say, I'm from Houston. What are you going to say? But my door opened and that was my stop. And I said, I could I could stay and find out or I can catch this, this plane. So... I had to step off, but this woman forever is going to be known to me, and I always wonder what Sheila Jackson Lee did to her. But it was it was cold because this woman in yes. Seattle cares as much. But yeah, it looks like the border wall is is past committee. <sighs> are we closer to a wall? Is this going to happen? I don't think I don't think we are. No, um, for me, I I don't feel like it's going to happen. But the fact that we have to have this discussion is exhausting. Well, so this this committee is called the Homeland Security Committee. And so a bill passes from Homeland Security Committee, goes to the House of Representatives for a a vote. And people estimate the wall is going to cost like $70 billion. This is just to get construction started. I I mean, I don't know what its odds are, but who's going to vote against freedom freedom. (laughs) daniel cohen will be interviewing will chafford uh, for the next section of this uh, episode we just wanted to reach out to local houstonians and find out what's going on in the polls daniel thanks brenda uh so today it's we're gonna we're gonna sort of wade out into controversy with will chafford a houstonian loyal to the alt-right the republican party conservatism and donald trump We know very little about Will, we pulled him in off the street, but we've invited him on the show in an attempt to learn about him specifically and to challenge any disgusting points of view he may offer. Before we bring him on, um, I just want everybody to understand that uh, he's coming into the lion's den and uh, I think that our panel is going to have some tough questions for it. Anybody have any thoughts before we bring Mr. Chatford on the air? Now, you know, I don't know this guy personally, but from what I've heard, he's a member of the alt-right. I think that's like, you know, the Tiki Torch people. So I don't even think he should be here at all. I mean, just because we're a news podcast doesn't mean we actually like need to find like a token Trump supporter. Like, you know, like give this guy time like on the show. Well, I don't know if that's necessary. Are you afraid that he's going to change your mind? I mean, we we have the right to and the need to look into what's going on in Houston. I mean, I'm afraid we're going to change his mind. And I just, I don't know if we could fit another person in this room for the next episode. I mean, well, shit, he's here now. Let's, I mean, let's see how it goes. We can always cut, can cut this part later. Well, uh, Mr. Chadford, uh, thank you for stepping into the booth or the lion's den, whatever you care to call it. Thanks for being on the show. My name's Daniel, and I'll be conducting today's interview. Thank you. Good to be here. My name is Will Chadford, and I'm a normal American who wants what's best for his country friends and family 
Uh, Will, some people define the alt-right as a group of people with far-right ideologies who reject mainstream conservatism in favor of white nationalism. Alt-right... Alt-right beliefs have been described as isolationist, protectionist, anti-Semitic, white supremacist, frequently overlapping with neo-Nazism, nativism, Islamophobia, anti-feminism, misogyny, homophobia, right-wing populism, and the neo-reactionary movement. The concept has further been associated with several groups from American nationalists, neo-monarchists, men's rights advocates, and the 2016 presidential campaign of Donald Trump. Wow, you uh, threw a lot of words at me just there, and I'm pretty sure some of them weren't even English. That was actually all in English, like like all of the words were in English. But the question is, do you agree with that definition? Okay, okay, okay. Slow down there. Let me guess. You got that definition from online, yeah? Yeah. Well, it's a good thing you've got me on your show because the internet has an obvious bias, and more than that, it's been co-opted. Do you believe the alt-right is being unfairly portrayed on the internet? Absolutely. You said we're anti-Semitic and anti-Islam and anti-this and anti-that. No, I'm pro-Islam. I'm pro-Jew. I'm pro-black and brown and yellow and red and disabled and all of that, okay? I'm just pro-white a lot more. You could say I go the extra mile when it comes to white. But hate? No, that's... I mean, look, okay, if you take all of the colors of the rainbow and mix them together... Do you know what kind of super color you get? Brown? You get white. (laughs) It's like racial Captain Planet, you know? So, no, we don't hate. We love all of it. We love some of it even more. Uh, And it takes all colors um, to to make a planet. As an art student, if you mix all the colors together, you do get... You get brown. Like, you... You don't get more white, you get brown. Even if you put a drop of white in there, it's still brown. Art? Yeah. You know that that thing with brushes and paint? It's like a it's like a mixing of color on canvas or sculpture or something. Different strokes for different fro- folks, I guess. Uh, yeah, so let's move on to something a little bit more concrete, the wall. The Texas Tribune reported earlier this month that the House of Representatives Homeland Security Committee is in favor of giving $10 billion to the Trump administration to begin construction on a border wall between the United States and Mexico. The bill came from the committee's chairman, Representative Michael McCall from Austin, Texas, or really Austin and Katy because his district stretches from West Katy all the way to East Austin, but that's for a different day. Given your confusing yet still racist views on um, race, can we assume that you are in favor of the wall? Do not get me started on that fucking wall. (laughs) What do you mean, Mr. Bradford? The wall is just another diabolical psyops rhetorical propaganda campaign concocted and implemented by the left that we've ever seen in a long time. I mean, some people are saying the wall's going to cost $50 billion and take 10 years to complete. One thing we should all be able to agree on, regardless of whether you're pro-racist or anti-racist, is that the government always lies. They say it's going to cost $50 billion. That means it's going to cost $100 billion. They say it'll take 10 years. That means it'll take 100 A real professional knows that. I mean, just look at Shepherd Street in the anti-homophobic neighborhood of Montrose in Houston. It took nearly 10 years to fix that street. And I swear, sometimes I still see construction. If we can't fix a road in 10 years, how the hell are we going to get a border wall up in 10 years? That's, uh, that's, that's really pragmatic. That's like a, wow, okay, huh. 
Now, 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 what are, what was that you said about the wall being the left's idea? Yeah, yeah. The Trump administration has been infiltrated by former Obama bureaucrats and advisors. Okay. I'll hear people say illegal immigrants are a drag on the economy and they're getting free welfare and so we ought to put up a wall. It's only $50 billion. You know what? That is a classic lib flake mindset. Nothing but a bunch of Republicans in name only. You want to spend other people's money on some half-baked chicken shit idea like a wall? I bet if you looked into Michael McCall's finances, you'd see he's been bought and sold by the latter industrial complex. We build that wall and guess what? Everyone's going to want to buy ladders. Just another crony capitalism, snow liberal, spendocrat, hiding in Republican clothing. Alt-left Republican. Sorry, Michael McCall. Obama is gone. He's not president anymore. So this gravy train of free, unearned money for your weird, perverted wall is over. We elected King Trump. And you better watch your back, sir, because he's going to deport you soon. Ship up or sh- shape out, you snowbag. Okay, all right against the wall. Uh, we're almost out of time. I just wanted to ask you one last question, and we can take one qu- final question from the panel as well here. Earlier you mentioned you're an average American who wants what's best for his country, friends, and family. What does an American family look like for the alt-right? This one's real simple. Marriage is defined very clearly by the gods as between a man and a man's adult daughter. And what about the Supreme Court deciding that all human marriages are legal? The Supreme Court said that? Yes. Huh. Well, I, I mean, I always knew there was a clear anti-homophobic bias on the Supreme Court, but it is the law of the land and we got to follow it. So I don't look forward to gay marriage, but if that's what the law says, then I guess I'll do it. Uh, just to be clear, you don't have to marry a man. You, you know what it doesn't matter does the panel have any questions yeah i got i got one that's been kind of bugging me for this whole segment and really before it actually um look buddy i'll admit i like different ideas when the alt-right came on the scene i was kind of into it because i was into alt-rock i like different thinking and i thought this might be like a Amen. convergence of alt-rock and you know political ideas so my question for you Get ready for this one, buddy. Is if you were an alt rock band with with right philosophies behind it, what would the name of your band be? Because for me, it would be Death Camp for Cutie. Get out of here. Get the fuck out. <laughs> also, Will Coda Power was another one. <laughs> so, so yeah, answer that. Bush. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, how many gods are there? Well, um, you know, because you did say plural, you did. Yeah, yeah. so there's more than one god. Yeah. yeah, So how many? Well, you know, there's, um, you know, it's hard to count as many stars as there are in the sky. It's got real deep. Which god would you pray to regarding the wall? Kang. You mean the the alien that hangs out in the stomach of that robot guy in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? No. No. <laughs> so, uh, I do have quite a few bizarre and ill-informed opinions on many aspects of national policy and current events. I was wondering if you had any such opinions on the local and state elections coming up this November for like 
Houston and Texas. Local elections. And that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for stopping by, Mr. Chadford, local Houstonian and baffling member of the alt-right. Um, and now we have Evan O'Neill talking about uh, local goings-on. Evan? Thanks, Brenda. So the very exciting yearly Most Dangerous Intersections in America list has been released um, just this past week. Um, and according to the National Highway Traffic and Safety Administration, Houston actually has one of the most dangerous intersections in America. Yes! <laughs> we did it, guys! Yes. We did it! Woo! We did it, yeah. baby! <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you may cheer for it. It's actually, uh, it's actually very dangerous, and it's uh, the most dangerous intersection is defined as the highest number of fatal traffic accidents that oh. happen within 150 feet of each other. And so this, uh, the intersection that has won this distinction for, for the state and, and for the country is it Bissonette Street and Sam Houston Parkway? But is anybody get... surprised by that? I'm surprised by that. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, Houston has such poor urban design that it's it's a pretty low bar. But this doesn't seem like the worst intersection in the city, and definitely not the state. It may have something to do. Remember, for a little while, I'm not sure if they still exist, but the red light cams. Like, I know around the Beltway, that was a huge thing. Like, people were either slamming on their brakes not to run lights. Like, could that be it? Because if you were to ask me, there are at least a dozen other intersections that I could think of. Yeah. I, what? Okay. I'm trying to think of every time I go down um, Westheimer and Montrose, I always feel like something is horrible is about to happen. There's enough pedestrian goings on and enough people desperately trying to make a left turn on the street that obviously should not have a left uh turn and uh i always feel like yeah that's the one if somebody told me like what street do you think you'll die on that would be the street what what about like 59 is it 59 or 45 when you're going south and you like you're trying to get on 288 and you gotta like do it like really quick like i had an uber driver that like we were about to fucking lose it yeah, yeah. The, there's definitely been like cross streets where the only way you can go is if you drift. Yeah, you're just gonna, <laughs> you're gonna get on. Honestly, I'm not surprised. I'm, I'm more surprised that it's not the a feeder, the feeder going into the freeway. People don't know how to go on feeders, ever. Well, they. I know for what it's worth, like the Beltway, everyone tries to get a few extra five or ten miles per hour out of it. Particularly, you got like people going seventy and eighty next to you. So, I mean, but there are so many different stretches even along the Beltway. And as you pointed out, Brenda, like Westheimer and Montrose, right near there, just west of there, they literally call it Dead Man's Curve. What? Yeah, down by like uh, Boondocks or, you know, like that that curve there where you can't see it. It's called Dead Man's Curve. Yeah, it really should just be one lane. Yeah, there's cars parked and stick it out and there's bicyclists and all kinds of stuff. So, I mean, yeah, I'm surprised that there's a lot of strong contenders for dangerous intersections in Houston. Another my... reason to never go to Boondocks. <laughs> That's kind of my litmus test for if you're like a real Eustonian, is if you'll drive in the outer lane or the inside lane on Westheimer, then like you got real guts and you <laughs> belong here. But if, if, yeah, I mean, if you're not from here, just stay in the inside lane. Yeah. Okay. So but. did it say what the fatalities were there? Uh, it doesn't it doesn't give the the number the what the most fatal intersection was in wyoming that had 25.6 deaths for every hundred thousand people Ooh, wow. that's, that's crazy, crazy. That's, wait 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 wait, wait. it's in wyoming 
no yeah. one lives like there. don't you have to try to hit something in wyoming like don't you have to really like yeah. go out of your way i mean this is poor civil engineering i think what's yeah, so wyoming when i was living in idaho wyoming up their speed like their usual speed limit to 90 miles an hour Whoa. Which is... Wait. Like, that sounds like wait. Like street speed? I mean, there's not... Like, Wyoming has... I don't even know if Wyoming has 100,000 people in the whole state. But, like, most of the streets are these, like, farm-to-market kind of things. Yeah. I feel like they're like, we know it sucks. You can go as quickly as you like, as quick yeah. through us as possible. You don't <laughs> yeah. want to look at us. We don't want to look at you. Just yeah. get out of town. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you, when you were there, I mean, can you envision an intersection that would be dangerous like that? Like, if you think to, I don't, I mean, that, granted, you were in case you were in Idaho, but like, I don't, have you been to Wyoming? Can you envision that? Yeah, we were like right at the border, so I went to Wyoming a lot. And I mean, it's a lot of those kind of like, what's that Kalachi's place on the Kalachi way to Austin? Factory? Oh, it's a, oh, I know what you're talking about. Huskers yeah. or Huskers? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not good at it, but I know what you mean. You know how the highway like cuts through the middle of that town? Yeah. There, they set it up as a speed trap where it goes from like 70 to 35, or goes from 70 to something a lot lower. But in Wyoming, they like don't really do that. So you can be like blazing down like 90 miles an hour through like whatever their equivalent of the Kalachi places. So there's a related article to the one that you listed for the, for cron.com, the 25 most dangerous intersections in Houston. And a lot of these seems to be right on the beltway. I guess the, these, this section is people just trying to go home. They don't want to look at each other. They're tired. They're stressed out because Houston is the size of Connecticut. And so um, I think when they start reaching this point during their commute, this is when all the accidents start happening. This is all the Katie Freeway, Beltway 8, Parkway. It's just over and over again. The the main thing going on is Sam Houston Parkway and um, and Beltway 8. Good Lord. Well, stay the hell away from the suburbs. That's, apparently that's all we're learning from this. Just stay away from anywhere that doesn't look like there's anybody because that's when they're just going to get you. Yeah. I mean, as we're spending billions and billions of dollars on the grand parkway, it's a good lesson that, you know, this, like these beltways and loops may make cities a smaller place, but it makes it a much more dangerous place. And I don't think, are we paying for that? I think if I'm not mistaken, that's a tollway, right? And I think, uh, it's like some kind of public private thing where basically the state instead of like paying money to like make new roads they allow you know businesses to come in and do it and then you have to pay which yeah is crazy. and then, and then yeah. the line that they give us is that they'll use the tolls to pay for maintenance on the road and when it's finally built then they'll remove the toll but what they'll really do is decide that it's a good revenue stream and then they'll keep the toll up but then they'll stock it away in what they call the the rainy day fund, and then they'll, they'll just keep it there <laughs> exactly, forever. Pretty much. So we never get it back. And then all the people who can't afford the tolls will be sitting on the feeder road and looking over at the classist highway system and seeing people right. going twice as fast and getting home sooner and having another advantage. I have to admit, I never feel poorer than when I'm driving on the feeder looking at all the people on there. Because there's some places where you, you can't even pay cash anymore. You have to have the sticker. And I don't live in those areas, so there's no reason for me right. to spend... $30 a month to write a hypothetical beltway 
that be j- just because I want to get a bomb me from a leaf. Like I don't, don't want to do Listen, all of this. My mom and two of my aunts came to visit me yesterday, and they're always talking about like Darrell. Why don't you come out? Like my mom lives like past highway six on like I ten. Like mom, I love you, but it's I ten. You know, like. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I did it like once. It took me like 90 minutes to get out there. And I'm like, now I'm tired. I'm spending the night. Like, this is ridiculous. You know? It should not take three hours to be in my own city. Exactly. That's insane. We need a transit system. We need trains. We need trolleys. We need, uh, I don't know, just... The time to men do that. to carry me on their backs. I don't know what needs to happen, but it needs to be done. Did you hear that they're asking for thirty-one more million dollars for that fucking uptown bus shit, the bus lane? They're asking for thirty-one more million dollars. Now, and here's what's crazy. There's a thing called the Houston Galveston Area Council. Whoa, whoa. before we get Sorry. deep into this, what is that? Oh, the bus, the bus, the uptown bus. Yeah, thing? for the okay. listeners who don't know. So there was this idea. Of course, we can't do rail. Originally, they wanted to take a rail down Richmond, right? They decided after like doing their little studies and shit that that was like not going to work. You can't. John Culberson's donors don't like that. But there you go, because they don't want common folk being able to go out there that way. In their defense, it would have literally gone through some of their houses. Yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> One of them was my professor, and he's like, "I do not make enough money to <laughs> for a train to go through my house." And, and and it does it does bring like when you bring a rail, it's going to bring in a different you know clientele. Um, so they decided to meet like halfway and they decided to, to agree. And this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard of. There's going to be a dedicated bus lane. So essentially it's going to be like a rail because only buses are going to be on it. Right. And it's going to be on street level and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to do this. Right. What so it, what is it? Co- wait, hold on. Why does it cost extra to put it put in this lane? I mean, you have a lane that would have been the- well because you have, they're going to re they have to buy some of the property to like uh, actually spread it out a little more, okay. um, and then like it's actually going to be like dedicated like buses that are going what east and west. Okay, um, it's it's always been over like at each step of it the study cost more than it was supposed to cost like every fucking step of this thing has cost more than than it was supposed to and so it's interesting because everybody knows about city hall and their city council meetings on tuesdays you can go and say whatever you want so much slam poetry happens there. yes oh my gosh yes. an exhausting amount of slam poetry happens there i have a big pet peeve about that but that's another story <laughs> and so you know everybody knows about the school board well, there's a thing called the Houston Galveston Area Council that actually makes decisions, like they're a governing body, about like shit like this. So a lot of the the transportation decisions are have like they they occur regionally. So there's this board of people. It's like twenty five, twenty seven people, and it's like council member from Paraland, mayor from Bel Air, you know, council commissioner like uh, Judge Ed Emmett is one of the co-chairs and I forget who the other one is. But no, they get they there's this pot of money that they get to cut up. And it's actually not fair when you look at the makeup of the Houston Galveston Area Council because I'm sorry, no offense to the other cities, but Houston is Houston Galveston area. I'm sorry. Right, so in the majority of the board, throwing down a weird hammer, (laughs) Dora. I'm sorry, (laughs) weirdest hammer I've ever heard you throw down. Because here's what ends up happening: Houston really doesn't get our fair share of votes because the majority is like you know, are basically these other cities who are like, "What West Timer needs what?" Mm -mm." 
you know, so yeah. So you're saying that outerlying areas leaders are making decisions about whether or not a rail goes down on Richmond. Absolutely. And and interestingly enough, uh, um, uh, Judge Ed Emmett was against it from the start. And he was the one at the meeting that was like, I'm, you know, like, I'm, y'all know what my vote's going to be, you know? And he, so he was against the bus or the rail. He, he was against, he was against rail and he was against, but like from the beginning, he was, he was against both of them. I think like there are, rail wasn't going to pass. And so bus became kind of like this, let's meet in the middle kind of thing, which is a fucking joke because. Wow. Should we secede well, from the Houston Galveston area? Like, like Trump wants us to secede. <laughs> yeah, I love that's our solution to everything. We're going to secede. Yeah. We're just going to pack it, it like all. We're going to move. Now, yeah. yeah. well, I'm um, curious to go back to that real quick. Uh, I mean, what's your thoughts on the on the rapid bus transit line? I mean, why? Like, how does that not meet the mark? Or, or what's the... the the problem is when we when. Houston first decided to do its westward expansion, right? Uh, and we built streets like Beechnut, Bel Air that just fucking just just go west for forever. That was the time that we should have put in the infrastructure to be able to expand and do stuff, right? And now you have all these subdivisions and all of these commercial parts that there's no fucking planning, and it's a it's a essentially a shit show. So everyone wants to look at Metro as the answer when if you actually look at the number of riders versus like what ends up happening. I mean, ideally everybody just rides the bus. We really use park and ride, but this is Houston. And for the most part, unless it's the, you have areas like the medical center where it actually makes a lot of sense. You have areas like even the Galleria where they're really pushing, but for the most part, Metro's not really investing in making sure that their ridership goes up or the people even know. Yeah, there needs to be a serious discussion of what the future of Houston looks like. And we have to stop in terms of uh, transportation in Houston. We have to stop thinking in terms of a decade and we have to start thinking in terms of a century because that we have completely crippled ourselves. We make no sense. Our city makes no sense. I remember every other city I go to. Um when I went to Chicago, my mind was blown. I said, of course you could put trains in the air. What? <laughs> People drive under trains? Right. All the time. No, How does this happen? Well, in, in Seattle, I remember when I first moved there, and I was like, why are all the buses attached to the power lines? Like, all the buses. You know why? Because 80% of Seattle's mass transit system is fucking electric. Blew my mind. My fucking head exploded. And it's like, how are they able to do this get your shit together metro that's all we're saying (laughs) oh okay so speaking of um things that can't escape this is a really depressing story this i have been upset with this since it happened i used to work three blocks from when this this all started at the aquarium the poor tigers they're still locked in there with no access to natural light and it's still going how how is this still going uh, with uh, Tillman Ferreira. Is that how we pronounce the guy's name? Fertita. I, Fertita? Fuck him. That's what I say. <sighs> Evan, you're covering the story. What's up with this guy? How can we fuck over this guy hard? All right. So 
I mean, to start off, fuck this guy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a real, he's a real chud. Um, I mean, so I guess the entry point into this is he's been talking about buying the Houston Rockets, and people have kind of conveniently forgotten any of his politics or the fact that he's basically like Houston's less impressive version of Donald Trump, and are very intent on like building him up and whoa whoa, whoa. less impressive than Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. whoa whoa. Easy, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not say things we can't take back. I don't want to have to ditch episode two. Just saying. All right, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that out. But <laughs> Sorry. Can we edit this out, too? Yeah. This, I'll be on, this story really is a bummer for me. This, yeah. It's very stressful. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it looks like, is he, do you think he's going to be successful in obtaining the rockets? Um, I, he bought them, I, I believe. Is it I, I literally know nothing yeah, about sports. I, think I, saw, I can, I I saw can talk pers- about animal rights, but oh, I, I don't welcome know. Welcome to sports yeah. talk. <laughs> On his Instagram today, he mm-hmm. tweeted or Instagram a picture of the press release, like mm-hmm. them of them announcing him as the owner. So it's actually it's <sighs> happened on the tenth, which I'm mistaken is tomorrow or day after tomorrow. Let me look this up. We need to look this up before we start casting stones. We can't. Take it's that it's out. true. He's the he's the new owner of the of the Rockets. Yeah. Which instills him like at a very high point of power in the city, and yeah. So I've, yeah. So I've been in to see the tiger display, and it's yeah. There's no natural light. Like the tigers look miserable. It's just there's just no reason for it. Yeah. The, I mean, the place is called aquarium. Like, like tigers gem. don't live in the sea, but the place like, the place is called an aquarium, and there's just I, tigers locked in there. I like this change.org petition that you found, Evan. Um, and it says, an aquarium-themed restaurant is not an acceptable habitat for tigers to live. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Perhaps a yard. Perhaps a is. field. Um, yeah, it's it's well-known. Um, it's considered... They, they call themselves a private zoo to in order to house these tigers. It uh, barely scraped out by when they obtained the tigers. It was very controversial when they obtained them. Um, a lot of people protested. A lot of people uh, stated that it was illegal to do this because they didn't have the square footage. They didn't have the uh, proper uh, equipment to house these animals. And um, it was up for a vote on the Houston City Council. And mysteriously, it passed, even though there was quite a bit of outcry from the public not to do this. But that's that's how they got put in in uh, 2005. And it, they've been trapped there for over 12 years now. And uh, I do know somebody who used to work there. And she claimed that the tigers were better taken care of than most people expect. But I'm like, that's a very low bar to set. If the bar is better than expected that's not a good precedent to I have mean, these pictures still look like they're in jail yeah there's it's like the county open pastures what's that looks like the county yeah a lot of them a lot of them have not seen sunlight in 12 years at all you know there's a, a fact that seems relevant here which apparently there are more tigers uh in the state of texas than anywhere else in the world did you know that? You're kidding. Uh, and probably because of stuff like this, because somebody fell off the back of a wagon, decided to settle in Texas, and then bought himself a pet tiger. 
Yeah, it's uh, pretty common since we have huge expansive lands. Now, there is a couple of tiger sanctuaries that are legit. They do animal rescues of, of different circuses and things like that. But what actually happens is people open private zoos, and I use that term very loosely, because what they'll do, they'll force these tigers and other animals to breed to create cute tiger uh, cubs so people can take photos with them. And then they travel around with these tiger cubs so people can take photos with them and everybody feels really cool. But you, if you ever, by the way, if you're ever on Tinder and you see somebody hugging a tiger, fuck that guy. Because what's happening is, no, don't like un, <laughs> unfuck that guy. <laughs> Swipe left. That's all I'm saying. Because what's happening in those photos where all those, those people are hugging tigers and like hanging out, they're heavily sedated. Like for days, days and days and days, these animals are sedated and then they're taken back to this like poorly maintained farm where they are hopefully rescued. But for the most part, they live very sad lives. And I feel like the aquarium is a million dollar version of this. Like there, there's no room in there. They, they, they have a they have a free Houston Tigers Facebook page with 1500 likes. Yeah. yeah, it looks yeah. like there's a lawsuit right now. The Animal Legal Defense Fund is suing the Downtown Aquarium in Houston for violations of the Endangered Species Act. I would love to go back to that Houston City Council vote and figure out who's on the record. In yeah, favor who of this. voted which way? That would be interesting. I mean, it was 2005. Who do we have back then? Ann Clutterbuck. Is anybody left over? How long has Kubash oh, been no. on the board? No, he's only been there. Well, and let's see, he got on in. In a while, but. Not that long. I know we're not 13. fans of Kubash, but I don't know if it's a great idea to immediately assume he hates tigers. <laughs> I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess he would have been. A, I would guess he would have been a, a get the tigers up. Yeah, yeah. Get, get, get the tigers. <laughs> I'm not prepared for this, but, <laughs> but the tigers. Now here's the feds. I, I don't think anybody's prepared. Here's what's interesting though with Kubash, um, and it's weird. In the black community, he's actually revered. Like, he has really good relationships with all the pastors. And, I mean, it's crazy. And he's got a bail bond family. Yes, he's got a bail bond. Exactly. And so, but here's crazy. You'll have situations where, like, Pastor Nash will, like, call him and he'll go and bail somebody out. Like, remember the guy who they had going to court every day, right? It was Kubash who bailed him out. So, it's this really weird intersection where it actually works well he and eric dick actually coalitioned with a lot of the people from occupy when it came to the feeding ban um during the parker administration and so they were bailing at so kubosh and eric dick bailed out occupy people from prison so it was a very strange bedfellows he, he makes friends with very very, very interesting back in 2013 i actually went to eric dick's house and like interviewed him when he was running for i think he was running for one of the at-large positions i think um and yeah like went met his daughter and everything he's a cool guy and then when you look at some of his views it's like oh like kobosh he looks like somebody's grandpa he looks like he could like roast the fuck out of some brisket right <laughs> <laughs> but what does it say about someone when you i mean i get it because all politicians technically do this and like no matter what your last name is you might do this anyway but like when you just you just want to write dick all over the city yes. of Houston, like yes. I feel like that says something. <laughs> you know? and, and here's what's sad: if you watch, because he's another one of those people that just puts his name on every election. 
And now he's he actually sits on the Harris County Department of Education. But can he rap? He doesn't need to anymore because <laughs> he is slowly growing in name recognition to where if he were to run the next time, I think he could make it into a runoff. For, for at uh, large, like at an large. at large position, yeah. But he was behind the lawsuit over the term limits, right? Yep. Whew. Has anybody ever gotten a letter from Michael Kubash? No, no what's no. it like? It's so he's sent me like four this year and they were just Bible verses. <laughs> Like, I think he might be like, focusing on the wrong yeah. audience. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was after I spoke at city council, so I'm assuming it was like referring to something. But it's just Bible, and like, like I, I mean, but, no, no disrespect. I don't like. I don't own a Bible, so I don't know it? what it. I don't even know. I don't. I don't know anything. I don't know if it's a threat. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think he was. Was it was it OG or was it New Testament though? I, I don't. Oh no, it was it was it was New Testament. See, if you're gonna stereotype, at least get the right book. Yeah, that's why I think it was a threat. Like he saw, he saw the nose. <laughs> he like heard the self-deprecation, and he was like, "All right, I'm gonna send a New Testament verse to this this Jew." <laughs> Speaking of uh, terrifying Jews, the cross on forty-five. <laughs> Um, the gigantic cross oh on 45 God. and 59. <laughs> I'm trying to segue, guys. I'm trying. <laughs> um, the gigantic cross on 59, 45, um, right in downtown that belongs to the, what was it? What St. St. Joseph's. St. Joseph building is coming down. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, yeah. It looks- Eat a gefilte fish, Christians. <laughs> <laughs> Taste that, Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, Oi. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like it was bought. Evan, you covered this one too. What's going on with this guy? Yeah, Tillman Fertitta bought it and he's going to put his name in like 10 story letters and he started with the T. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get out. Serious. Um, now they're just redeveloping it to make it more mixed use. A new owner bought the building and I guess they're doing exterior work. And. Yeah, and so the cross is coming down so they can safely do renovations to the building. But what's, he's saying that he wants to make it, put something iconically Houston instead of the cross. Like, what what else? What else is there? I mean, I don't know. That's a, like, I don't know. What would you put? What's iconically Houston that you could put on the side Leave of the building? Leave the cross up, but also yeah. add, Bunch like, of sad tigers looking. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't you just overlay, like, a Hakeem Olajuwon with his arms extended uh, outward? Uh, their arms yeah. Are, they're already there. You could have something to trace. Yeah. <laughs> we could save yeah. the, the city a lot of money. Like, yeah. Put something on the cross. <laughs> Yeah, I'm Just, trying to yeah. find information about when this cross came out because I'm starting to realize. Since 2009. 2009. I don't know why I feel like. I know that great building's been there, but maybe it did come out in 2009. Maybe I just didn't pay attention before then. I do remember, I just remember it. I do remember that because I live on the east side and I remember they turned it on right as I was driving and I swear I almost had a car accident. I, I thought, like. It, it's finally happening. My mom it's was right. Hey, like, you know who just... saved you from that car accident? Ha. <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. one? <laughs> it was the dream, right? <laughs> Until he left us. He just... Well, I'm, I moved here in 2009, so for me, that is iconic. 
Yeah. And whenever I'm on, whenever I see that, I know exactly You're close where to, I am. Yeah, it's your yeah. Front, front You know room. God loves you. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when I'm on my way back to from, when I'm on my way back from Austin and I take the I-10 way. Like when I see that room store building, like I know, okay, I'm I'm getting getting yeah. close to home. Uh, that's, I remember going through, uh, when I was a kid, my mother didn't like driving on a freeway. Um, so when she'd go to the gallery, I, I would be thrilled because I would go with her. And as a little kid, my favorite thing in the world to see was driving down, uh, Westheimer and seeing the Mary's mural uh, with the guys all dressed up in uh, biker leathers, okay. <laughs> their biker bar. Uh. And um, my mom would always like try to force my head down so I could look at the mural. <laughs> but I love that mural so much, and it was so sad when it went down. But for me, like that's the most Houston because that's when I knew I was going into the rich neighborhood. Once I saw that biker mural, I knew that I was going to see the hedges from the uh, the animal hedges on Shepherd mm-hmm. and Westheimer, and like the things were we were moving on up um, <laughs> as we we're going into uh, Westheimer, but. Um, yeah, that's you know some a lot of people don't name don't go by street names they go by iconic buildings mm-hmm. and I was always disappointed that on the east side there wasn't much to look at like all the postcards of Houston they're on the west side and I'm like well, f- fuck you guys I I'm literally on the wrong side of the tracks I don't see that there's be someone be someone has turned into a uh, an iconic piece of should it. Should it? <laughs> I think it's a positive. I mean, it's something that's so random. It's just a positive message that, like, yeah. Yes. You know, what I think of when I think of iconic Houston images is the uh, the Breakfast Club Obama. Yeah. Because they put it on there and then it got vandalized, and they painted over it again, and then it got vandalized again. So they painted over it and they have him kissing a white baby. Yes. Which is I love because yeah. they're like fuck you. Next time you cut, now they're afraid to vandalize it. Right. Sure, right? Like, well, right. I do remember the second one where there's a, there's a little white girl standing next to him, and she's got these piercing blue eyes. But those eyes looked haunting. I it think was the, children of the corn. It was like yeah. a very children of the corn. I think yeah. that's why they vandalized it. They were just it was a fear reaction. It was a flight or flight fight or flight response. They just threw it and hoped to run away. To blind this chuck because that thing scared the hell out of me. I'll be honest. From the from the children of the damned. (laughs) Well, there's that mural in on is it off a telephone road um, that Gonzo's restoring in the. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. It's on a canal. It's huge. It's right next to my old elementary school. And um, my mother used to also try to, she used to shield a lot of art from me, come to think of it, um, because that was a huge mural dedicated to the uh, uprising of Latino rights. But the, the first part of it, because it, it was so big, you'd have to walk by to see the whole thing. And the first part of it was literally just Indians being slaughtered murdered left and right just skulls a sea of skulls everywhere and and women and crying and there was a rose in the middle with just skulls inside of it and just death everywhere and then slowly it was like education and and literature (laughs) it was terrifying but i love that mural yeah the many the many deaths of the latino culture but now it's a police station so 
cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Gonzo is restoring that painting. Actually, that uh, painting behind you, Evan, that's uh, that's a Gonzo piece. I was able to score off of him for 35 bucks. Who's Gonzo? Uh, Gonzo is one of the biggest graffiti artists in Houston. Um, he's done a ton of stuff in the, in the city, including opening a art gallery for underprivileged youth called Aerosol Warfare. Wow, yeah, where is a, this place? Um, I'm not sure if it's still here, but it's in the what they're now, now calling Edo, uh-huh. um, close to Kimsum, like two blocks okay. away from there. I know, I know where Kimsum is. Yeah, yeah, because I've been looking for a piece of art for my wall in my bedroom. That'll be that's tight. We'll probably we'll probably hook you up. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely tired of all the artwork I have that I made, so I'm looking to trade out. Yeah. Anyway. Gonzo sponsored this podcast with some art, <laughs> right? <laughs> we'll talk about you every week. <laughs> uh, just making up stories about you saving babies, and you know, I'm guessing he's not on the run. Like he's not an anonymous. No, he's okay. oh, he's like the most unanonymous dude. Like, he's very approachable. Everybody knows where he is. Um, yeah, he's a great dude. Um, speaking of art, uh, I think we're going to close out with this story. Um, the Flying Squid Tattoo Parlor is doing their uh, uh, flash tattoo sale for Friday the 13th. This Friday, of course. Here's the deal. This is not an official news report, but I just saw this and I have to talk about this. Because one of the flash tattoos that is on their wall for people to get on Friday the 13th is Petto Bear. And I don't think people realize what it is. It's an a, adorable looking bear. If you go to the Flying Squid Tattooing and Art Gallery page on Facebook, you'll see a um, Instagram photo link. And on the bottom right corner near the center of the image, you'll see this adorable bear with the number 13 on his chest. That's actually a um, internet symbol of pedophilia. Like, uh, that's a very big inside joke for a lot of online members usually for 4chan and reddit but basically uh pedophiles will get this art on decal on their car or they'll wear a t-shirt of it i don't i've never heard of anybody having it tattooed but they it's a way to identify themselves to each other and each other as a pedophile so i don't know if i'm pretty sure flying squid knows what it means because it's you know they're they designed it uh but i i don't know if the people who get this tattoo will understand that it's not just a cute little bear well you you just said that they know what it is too my question then becomes should they be drawing pedo bear on people yeah that's what i'm wondering too like is it something that if you come in and you choose that bear that they'll give you a heads up or well i mean should they should they be drawing pedo bear on anyone in the first place? Like, is that is that controversial to like who should who's getting a pedo bear tattoo? I, that's what I'm asking. <laughs> who's who's the market for this? Who's who's doing this? Why is this enough <laughs> for this to be part of a flash sale? Like, it's not like custom tattoo bear where like the artist doesn't know. Who, why why is this happening? If you or someone you know has a pedo bear tattoo, call in now. Just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just like call somebody. Just yeah. call the police. Yeah, call That's them. what you can do. Well, I, should they be on blast for peddling the pedo bear? I'm wondering that too. I don't know. I well, I don't this, know where my moral stand on this. I'm just reporting it because I'm like, very confused. It's 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 used to make fun of pedophiles. 
Yeah, well, oh, oh so excuse me. So it's not saying I am a pedophile if you wear it. You're you're saying that. Well, originally, yes, it's it was used to kind of signify like, um, because the idea is that this bear is secretly a pedophile. So, like they, you know, yeah. you see, like, because uh, it, it's it's like an anime thing. Of course, it's anime, uh, but it's an anime thing where they had these uh, underage girls, and they're like, oh, this girl's actually thirteen years old, but they still sexualize her. So they would bring out this like teddy bear, kind of making fun of how um, pedophilic this stuff really is. But on the other hand, people have adopted this as a symbol to identify. Um, themselves it's to pedophiles. other peoples as pedophiles wow. so they can have an open discussion about it and not worry about being caught. So is this a good idea for flying squid to do? Now they have the right to tattoo whoever they want, but I'm wondering if it's a good idea to have it on a flashboard or are they telling people, are you, hey, this is what you it have means. the flashboard up or no? Uh, yes, they have it. It's along with a pineapple a thunderstorm, an octopus, and I think a a tiny robber? I can't tell. I mean, they have a right to tattoo whatever they want, right? But what they choose to allow you to select from is a statement in and of itself, right? So, so, I mean, I can think of any number of different things that they could promote, like, through a tattoo that would be controversial. But I can't think of anything more controversial than child molestation. Like, it seems like that's something that should get some backlash. Yeah, I think you can get it for thirteen dollars, and I'm worried people will just buy it because they're like, "Yeah, it's a great deal." I wouldn't know. No, you, and that's the point. So I'm wondering, like, I'm just very confused by this. I'm not even sure if I'm mad at them. I'm just more confused by all of this. I just think I don't know. Call me old fashioned, but if you want to identify yourself as a molester of children. Why don't you just join the Catholic Church like they did in the old days? <laughs> all right. All right. You know what? I gave you. <laughs> burr, 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 burr. Get out of here. <laughs> also, should you be allowed to buy a tattoo for $13? I'm just... I mean, do you want, like, if you do that, you probably, like, <laughs> deserve what's coming. It might get marked as <laughs> yes. job blester. It could happen. A lot of tattoos started a tradition on Friday the 13th that you can only get selected tattoos. Usually they're the size of a quarter. For thirteen dollars, because you know it's a good way to get people into the door and get a tattoo if they never gotten one, and it's also kind of fun. And then you know you can brand yourself as a pedophile. It's, you know, it's a good it's a good Friday all around. I wouldn't want to pay, buy something for thirteen dollars though that I have to carry like something the size of a quarter I have to carry in my pocket the rest of my life, much right. less slap on my skin for thirteen bucks out of it. And it hurts. Doesn't seem like a price like that should be your factor. Like, well, I'll be honest, I kind of want a thirteen dollar tattoo. Do you think they tattoo thirteen year olds there? Because if you're a thirteen year old <laughs> and you get a pedophile tattoo, it's like it's fine. That's what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. With that, we're going to close out the show. Now that we've burned every bridge we have left. I was into 13 year olds when I was 13 years old. Dude, that's sick. Oh, I I'm just being honest. I'm just being real, like that alt right guy. I, uh... I know it's not politically correct. You don't want to hear it, but this is my truth. Evan cleaned up on the bar and bought Mitzvah Circuit. <laughs> I uh, remember I rewatched the Adams Family 2 movie. And it's the one where Wednesday goes to camp. Wednesday and Tuesday, they go to, they're forced to go to camp. They meet that one kid. And I used to have such a huge crush on the, the little nerdy boy. Uh, and then I rewatched it. 
and all those feelings are still intact, but I felt really grossed about it the entire time. So it was like, it felt like I was having a conversation with my 10 year old self, like, hey, this isn't, he's an adult now, so you're fine with that. He grows up great, but uh, just put it away. <laughs> it was a very odd feeling. Okay, well, we burned every bridge, so um, we're going to go ahead and close out the show. Is there anything you guys want to talk about before we head out? Oh, so uh, Thursday at John Culberson's office at noon, uh, there will be an action uh, in opposition to the Trump tax scam. Uh, We have speakers from uh, the working class and middle class, as well as um, small business owners who will come and talk and uh, point out that uh, we're not going to sell out the rest of the people in the United States for a tax break, even if they were to dangle one, which we're not sure that they are. This is going to be a really terrible piece of legislation, which is why the action is forming together. Uh, And there will be some awesome and amazing things to look at, too, if that's the kind of if that's the reason that you go to protest is to see uh, entertaining um, giant inflatable chickens and other things like that. So uh, join us. That's at 10,000 Memorial Drive. Uh, There is parking one block east on Timber Terrace. How about you, Jarrell? I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be out of town. You going? Uh, You going? I don't have really anything going on this week. Okay. Uh, Anything people should know about or keep an eye out on the news? Be ready to vote. Um, Early voting is going to happen. There's uh, not only are there these school board elections. There's also a decision around uh, the bond. The city has three bonds one is for the pension one is a slush fund for the fire department and the police department and the other is a slush fund for the mayor uh for like hike and bike trails and shit like that when there aren't like sidewalks in certain neighborhoods but you know just go vote and make your own decisions i think we're going to talk about this more in depth on another episode but the city of houston is looking for a brand new logo and a website and they've started uh, just briefly a, a competition, and the deadline is the end of this month, October thirty first. So, um, if you have any ideas, just uh, Google that and submit your graphic design or your whatever the contest is. Uh, I've I've used the I've used the website a lot. I don't know if you guys have. It's very difficult to find information on. Um, just about anything. And uh, I personally think that uh, a new web experience for the city, oh, that nice. How about you, Evan? Oh, yeah. Fran Watson's campaign kickoff is on Friday at Crew Wine Bar, which is right next to Pondicherry on Kirby Drive. What's she running for? She's running for State Senate and District and Senate District 17. Um, Joan Huffman? Yep. Uh, if assuming Joan Huffman doesn't get beaten by her primary opponent, oh. that's like going to be the. Why do you like Fran? Fran's just awesome. She shows up everywhere. She's like the most vocal, powerful advocate for everybody. I mean, she's like exactly the style of leadership. I mean, she listens to people, but is like stands by what she believes in and is like pretty tireless in fighting for it. And I've been there at the state capitol while she's, like, stayed there all night talking. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. When you finish. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, she's stayed up all night testifying in defense of other people's rights. And that's, like, that's a quality that I want to see in somebody representing me. I've known Fran for years. And the thing that really stood out to me, aside from the fact 
that she's this advocate and besides the fact that she has like more hours in the day than anybody else but actually her story so get this she and her siblings grew up in a very poor uh family single uh parent home and she actually dropped out of high school um and she worked i want to say at whataburger or some like fast food place for a little while and was encouraged to go back to school. Not only did she go back and get her GED, she went on to HCC. Not only did she do that, she was encouraged to go on and get her bachelor's. Fran Watson today is an attorney. So when we think about stories like that, like, wow, like that is someone who um, truly gets it. And I mean, I'm looking forward. And I actually want to do a fundraiser for her in early December. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Fran, I just... Uh, just for uh, sake of uh, Time. transparency, do you work on our campaign or you volunteer or you just like? Oh, work? yeah. I uh, Well, for full transparency, I, I am, I guess, provi- I'm, I'm working as in-kind donations right now mm-hmm. for a campaign. Oh, sweet. Okay. Oh, That's out. dope. If, <laughs> if you like somebody. I'm super to- corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> Some HISD level stuff going on here. <laughs> But um, I mean, yeah, just look at her websites, Fran Watson for Texas.com. Or just like she's like everywhere. Literally. Just talk to her and she's like the nicest person. Awesome. She always answers her phone. She always gives good advice. She she's a woman of her word. Like, yeah, I'm gonna pull my coins together, my friends, and hopefully Daniel Cohen and his huge, you know, entourage of <laughs> of progressives. Um, he's going to pull us some Coens and some Minces and some, you know. Put the Minces on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, by the way, the word entourage and the word progressives have to be at least 15 words apart. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we got a turtle. Girlslikeyouandme.com. Who is that? What is this? What's Girls Like You... <laughs> I mean, I like literally did the website. I don't know what girls like you and me. That's not friends. That's not friends. <laughs> maybe she's one of the girls like you and me. Like maybe what's, that's it. What's the website, okay, Evan? <laughs> oh, it's a uh, franwatsonfortexas.com. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, just I chilling. Also have... Just googled Fran Watson. Just chilling with and my uh, candidates. You know how girls. You gotta do. work on my SEO then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. uh, for more shows like this, you can go to mockingbirdnetwork.com. If you want to hear oh, me talk about boys and uh, nerdy stuff, you can uh, check out my other podcast. Uh, Nerd Love, a show with Roxy Hayes. It's very adult, so don't listen with children in the car. Um, but it's also a lot of fun. You can also find me doing a run of Trek Wars, a Star Trek kind of style improv show going on at Station Theater all throughout the month. And uh, if you want to be politically involved, um, the first thing you need to do is read the paper. So um, be sure to to check out the Chronicle or, you know, even just buy a subscription at cron.com and figure out what the hell is going on in the city and you can join us. If you find an article that you'd like us to talk about or something that you want us to investigate, send us an email at uh, info at mockingbirdnetwork.com and just title 610 News in it and uh, we'll be sure to check it out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Next week we'll be discussing up and coming events that we haven't discovered because we're keeping our fingers on the pulse of the news. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, bye, bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
Mockingbird Network. <laughs>